Hey everybody, this is Tom the Suit Forced, and welcome to another session of Chasing the Blues podcast. We are in our third season. We have over a hundred podcasts. We have interviewed people like Samantha Fish, Mark Farner, Felix Cavalieri, and John Oates. That song you're hearing is from my new album. It's called Late Night Train, so check that out when you can. Today, I have a very exciting guest uh, that I have uh, not only seen play live, but have uh, actually played with a friend called Chris Bergson. Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, Tom. Thanks, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, no problem. I am, uh, I am excited to have you. Uh, I have uh, seen you play live up in upstate New York around the Levon Helms area. Uh, you did a show with your um, longtime partner, I guess, uh, Ellis Hooks, who was really great. I mean, you guys were, were killing it that night, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And, and then you and I played together uh, in New York, in, uh, in Connecticut. Uh, I think it was the Madison Beach Club, if I remember. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And man, that, that, was, was, a that was a big night. Uh, the, the audience was packed. That was a great night. That was a very cool, uh, that was really fun. That was a very cool uh, blues festival uh, Annie Morrison put together. Absolutely, it was great to, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, and it uh, it was near the pandemic, so it was kind of ending on a high note. No no pun intended. Yeah, yeah it was great to hear everyone and, and uh, hear Bob Margolin and then, you know, jam a little bit with Bob at, at the end playing uh, – Muddy Waters classic uh, Champagne and Reefer. I mean, that was like, you know, that's just, you know, getting to play that song with Bob Margot and, you know, of course, recorded and played it with Muddy. I mean, that's, you know, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> well, you know, I, I know you're a real artist. And the reason I know is because I happened to take a shot. I don't know where I was, but I took a shot of the audience when you were sitting. And you have this smile on your face that is just so cool. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I, I wish I was more like that. You know, I, 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 I don't smile that much, but you had this great smile on your face. And I'm thinking, this guy just loves music. <laughs> oh, well, that, that's, that's certainly true. So I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your international touring, but I also want to talk about what people may not know about you. Uh, you, you are a... Uh, educated fella <laughs> in some respects i suppose that's true <laughs> <laughs> tell us about your music education sure um well i i'm the child of two really huge music lovers so i grew up in a house um where music was always on so as a kid i heard everything from the beatles um and pete seeger uh, and Bob Dylan to, you know, jazz and blues artists like B.B. King, Muddy Waters, Miles Davis. Um, so I ended up getting exposed to a lot of amazing music um, at a young age. And uh, my parents were very supportive. I feel very grateful for that. And they took me to hear a lot of great artists. I was born in New York, but when I was about four, my family moved to the Boston area. Mm. And I feel really fortunate. Um, they took me to hear a lot of amazing jazz and blues artists when I was growing up. Um, 
I got to hear Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis. I remember my dad taking me to hear Johnny Clyde Copeland at a tiny little dive bar in, um, in Boston when there's no way, you know, I would have been able to go on my own. Um, and, you know, hearing hearing all that music live definitely uh, had a powerful uh, effect on me. So I started playing guitar when I was pretty young. Um, I was always drawn to the guitar. Uh, when I was a little kid, I used to take my uncle's guitar and put it on the floor and, and strum it. <laughs> uh, and then when I was about seven, I started taking uh, classical guitar lessons, right. um, which I didn't really love and didn't really stick with too long. But I soon found a teacher that was, uh, you know, well-versed in, in blues and rock and jazz. And that ended up being a great fit. Uh, and I just, you know, kept practicing, kept listening. I was in bands uh, and started gigging when I was about 13. I started playing in bands, uh, gigging around the Boston area when I was about 13, 14. Um, and then was in bands all throughout high school. Uh, and then ended up moving to New York when I was about 18. Uh, at first, uh, I was really, really serious uh, and immersed myself in the jazz scene. Um, I had played blues and rock throughout high school, but I got really serious about uh, studying jazz uh, when I was about 18. And I ended up studying with the the great jazz guitarist Jim Hall, which mm -hmm. was an amazing experience. And I ended up going to Manhattan School of Music, which I suppose is the education you may be <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you may you may have been referring to. Yeah, I absolutely, with, absolutely. I, yeah, which was a great experience. I I started gigging a lot um, on the jazz scene here in New York um, when I was in music school. Study with some great people there, including Jack Wilkins, uh, Ronnie Jones, both mm. amazing, mm. amazing guitarists. Um, and the first part of my career here in New York, I was uh, supporting myself as a as a jazz guitarist. I, I backed a lot of great singers. Uh, I recorded with uh, the late great Annie Ross, mm -hmm. uh, who who actually just passed away, sadly last year. Um, which was a real thrill. I think I was 21, 22, wow. finding myself in the studio with her. Um, I played with Nora Jones when she was just starting out, doing right, a little gigs ar around the city uh, when she was uh, mostly still singing jazz. Uh, amazing singer. Um, and then uh, I got more and more into uh, blues and roots music and, and soul music. Um, and I'd always really loved B.B. King and Muddy Waters and Albert King. and But at a certain point, uh, I just started delving more and more into blues. And I started going going back and uh, learning the history. I mean, I, I knew I was familiar with Robert Johnson, but, you know, then I started checking out who he was influenced by and started digging into Sun House and Skip James and, started getting into country blues with people like Mississippi John Hurt or Mississippi Fred McDowell, one mm -hmm. of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and, and there was a, I guess you could, a sort of gradual, uh, you know, transition where it went from me at first, uh, 
you know, doing trio gigs, mainly playing jazz, either jazz standards or original jazz tunes I'd written. Um, and then it went from me doing trio gigs where maybe I would sing one or two blues tunes a set. Um, and then, uh, and then maybe the blues stuff became about half of the set. <laughs> so it's sort of a gradual, uh, <laughs> process. And then soon, you know, some of the jazz tunes just didn't seem to fit anymore in the set. I started writing my own songs. Um, and that kind of brought me, uh, to where I am now, uh, doing the music, uh, that I'm playing now, both solo and, and with my band. Yeah. And you, you are adept at writing songs for sure. And you're a great singer and great guitar player. And, uh, uh, I will tell anybody who wants to see you, the show will not disappoint because you're uh, you're quite a showman, actually, uh, which, is <laughs> the, which is the first thing that, you know, kind of caught my eye. I, I'm not a fan of people that just get up there and play for themselves. Just not, you know, uh, and you don't do that. You you definitely are uh, about the audience, which, you know, I like. And you're also about the song, which I love. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't, I, I see so many musicians today, uh, are about themselves and they don't mm-hmm. worship, they don't worship at the altar of the song. <laughs> oh, I like how you put that. Yeah. I mean, that is sort of, I mean, I, that's just how, I guess that's just sort of, I was going to say how I was raised. That sounds, I don't know, too serious, but I mean, that is kind of, that's what I'm going for. I was kind of taught that you should, you know, if you've done right by the song, then you know, you've, you've done right. Um, I've, I've been really fortunate to get to play with some of my, my musical heroes. Um, and some of what I think you're talking about, I, I think I definitely, uh, observed and, and really picked up from them. Um, you know, I was really fortunate to get to play with, uh, Lee Von Helm and sub sub quite a bit, uh, in his midnight ramble band some years back. And also to work uh, with the great Hubert Sumlin, mm-hmm. Howlin' Wolf's guitar player, of course. Uh, for In his later years, um, I got to play some really fun concerts with him. So, I mean, thinking about both uh, uh, Levon and Hubert and actually one of the, and seeing them together one night when they were doing those Howlin' for Hubert shows at B.B. At King's. I mean, that was one of the best blues shows I've ever seen in my life hearing, mm-hmm. you know, Hubert with Levon, with Jimmy Vivino, with Mike Merritt on bass, with Brian Mitchell on piano. I mean, that that was one of the best blues shows I've I've ever taken in. Uh, but that was what you're talking about, that thing of, you know, not phoning it in, not being glib and really giving a hundred percent of yourself and you're there because the audience is there. Uh, that is something that that's something that I feel like Levon and Hubert uh, always exemplified every time they played. Um, and that was part of their 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 gift uh, that, you know, you saw Levon or Hubert on stage. I mean, they looked like kids on Christmas morning. I mean, they looked the, that joy uh, that they felt playing music. Uh, I think it's it, it was so infectious. Uh, you see them just giving it their all, giving it a hundred and ten percent, 
you know, 150%, you know, even if the, you know, even if maybe they, who knows, maybe they weren't feeling that great that day, but when it came time to play, you know, it was time to play. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a funny thing when you're not a musician and you, you have this assumption of what's happening on stage, you, you kind of, I've had, had people say, Oh, it must be so great. You get up there and you're hundred percent immersed in the music. And I say, well, to be honest, there are so many things that have impacted you before you got on stage and during stage um, and worrying about after stage that the music, <laughs> isn't it true? I mean, the you know, the venue owner says something that totally upsets <laughs> you. The sound man told you, no, he's not turning up the monitors. Uh, no, the monitors can't have any reverb in them. They got to be dry for some ungod, you know, knows reason. <laughs> Uh, there's a lady in the front that's got her hand over her ears and you wonder, are you too loud? Am I wrong? <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. No, there are a million things, of course, uh, that can go through your head when you're on stage, a million distractions. No, but that's the challenge though, of what we do. Yeah. I feel like it's to, uh, you know, to the best of our abilities, you know, when it's time to play, and commune with the audience, uh, you know, you know, to, we have to try to, we have to try to put those other thoughts out of our mind and just focus on, on the music. Um, but well, you, no, you're right. It's you know, true it's that, funny. that can happen. It's funny. My wife will say, well, how ADD I am. And I am, but, <laughs> but I find that many musicians are, are like me in that when it's time to focus, if it's important, they will focus everybody under the table. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's, I guess that's, uh, that's the um, Herculean task, I think, uh, that people don't talk about much as musicians, that it's not as easy as it looks. And I don't mean playing. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, getting immersed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, uh, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, that's the power of music too, that like, yeah. I mean, have you ever, I mean, have you ever, you know, felt worse after playing than when you did before? I think that's unusual. I mean, usually it tends yeah. to, yeah. you know, it's just a great uh, stress reliever and a, it's a beautiful thing to immerse yourself in and then share that well, to share that experience I, with an audience. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say there was one time when after an, a really good gig, I, I realized that my fly was down the whole time. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think I do have an answer for you in that. Yes, I have. I have felt worse after the, <laughs> after the gig. Was, was that the in the pre YouTube era? I <laughs> no, it was. No? It wasn't. Unfortunately, and I'm and I'm a lot older than you are. Unfortunately, it wasn't that <laughs> long ago. So I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So so I know that you guys have been touring all over the planet. Um, why don't you give us a little insight on touring internationally? Sure. Um, I mean, obviously. That's something that's, you know, been put on pause, uh, you know, this past year. Um, and it's something that, you know, I've, I've missed a lot. Uh, but yes, leading up until March yeah. of 2020. Um, 
Yeah, I had been touring a lot, uh, both myself um, and also with uh, Ellis Hooks, mm-hmm. uh, the great soul singer you mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, and it and we've been having a ball. Um, Ellis and I have been touring a lot together uh, in Europe and finding really uh, receptive, wonderful audiences in some ways, uh, especially I'd say France and Holland. Uh, sometimes, you know, feel sort of like home homes away from home, mm-hmm. um, you know, just playing for really, really beautiful, wonderful, appreciative audiences who really love American blues and soul music. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. We're going to take a very short break and then we will be right back. Hang on, everybody. Hey, blues fans. Did you know that Bobby Rush calls the Blues Festival Guide his roadmap to the blues? The Blues Festival Guide magazine is jam-packed with feature stories, art, and photography by blues top aficionados, with half of the magazine dedicated to blues festivals that happen throughout the United States and around the world. The Blues Festival Guide is the ultimate resource for any serious blues fan planning a festival itinerary. For more information, visit with them on the web at www.bluesfestivalguide.com and look for them on Facebook and Instagram at Blues Festival Guide. Now, back to Chasing the Blues podcast. All right, we are back with a friend and excellent all-around musician, Chris Bergson. So, Chris, we were just talking about uh, your European touring, your touring around the around the world, and you were giving us a little bit of an insight. Did you find that the audiences generally in Europe are different than they were or are in the U.S.? Um. Yeah. Yeah. In so in some ways. What ways? Um, well, I actually often see more uh, younger people at our, our shows in Europe, which is encouraging, um, you know, to see, you know, a younger generation of people. When I say younger, I mean more people in their 20s, 30s, mm. um, to some extent. Um, not always, but uh, depends on the country. I've seen a lot of younger people in the audience when, when I've played in Spain, uh, Belgium. Um, but that's, you know, it's nice. That's always nice. That's encouraging, yeah. <laughs> you know, to, yeah. that the younger generation is uh, getting into some of this music. Um, yeah, I mean, in general, you know, you you may have heard other, a lot of other musicians say this. I mean, in general, um, you know, you know, the arts overall are appreciated more in Europe. Mm. Um, you, you know, are often treated better yeah. as an artist, yeah. uh, in, in Europe. Um, it's a, it's a different thing. I mean, you know, the government of course does a lot more to subsidize the arts. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen how, Often, like local local promoters will do a really amazing job, get getting the word out about about concerts and stuff. Um, yeah, I mean that's really been that's really been such a nice thing touring more in Europe. Um, 
I guess, the past five, six years or so. Do you find that the audiences are more focused uh, than the U.S. audiences? I would say in general that's true. I remember the first time I played in Germany some years ago. When we started our set, I thought, you know, oh, no, like the audience doesn't really seem to be digging it too much um, because they were waiting so long to applaud after each song. And then I realized they're waiting till like the last millisecond of sound (laughs) has died out before applauding. And that night we ended up being asked to do three encores. Wow, yeah, that's, so, that's great. <laughs> so Rather than fact, get off the stage, being, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in fact, they were just uh, being super respectful and, and were, were incredibly appreciative. I, know, I mean, that's been one of the really beautiful things, um, you know, just meeting really amazing people in our travels and, and really, you know, making a lot of new friends uh people have just really uh taken us in and been very open and supportive uh of what we're doing you know i uh i uh i haven't uh toured europe but i've toured asia and they they think you're a rock star in asia (laughs) and and uh the focus i mean all right how about this one i had venue owners pick me up at the airport and then bring me to out to dinner and buy me my hotel room. Not nice. part of the not part of the deal. Nice. I, I just I thought, what do they want from me? What are these guys <laughs> you know, when are they gonna say, Did you bring thirty people? Or you know <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's a, a different world and the audience I got to say, I think I don't know for sure, but I know that the top of the age was in the 22, 23 area, uh, which wow. just blew my mind. Because, you know, people who don't know blues in this 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 world, uh, it's right. it's primarily an, an older, uh, older audience. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. And, it, you know, and it gets a lot of people sort of talking like what, you know, sort of how do we you know, how do we make sure there's. There continues to be an audience for, for, for the blues. <laughs> yeah, I hope they don't die off before we do. <laughs> anyway, so, so Chris, I, I, I want to know, you know, obviously this virus has knocked the hell out of everybody. You know, I was talking to people like John Oates who tour, you know, all the time. And they're, sure. not, they're not touring until like September, even and then they're not sure. Uh, what's right. your, what are your plans? Uh, where, where are you heading and when are you heading? Well, um, I wrote a whole bunch of new tunes over this past year. Ah. Uh, in part, you know, not in part, I mean, definitely inspired by this crazy time uh, we've been living through uh, during the pandemic. Um, and I live right in New York City, so mm-hmm. you know where I was right, right <laughs> in the eye of the storm, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. um, right, so yeah. you know, I found myself with more free time, <laughs> like a lot of people, um, and I wanted to put, I wanted to try and express these feelings, um, and so I wrote a whole bunch of new songs, and 
recorded a new solo CD, which is coming out on June 1st. June 1st. Um, Fantastic. Do you have a name for it yet? Yes. The album is called All I Got Left, and we actually just released the first single um, of the same name uh, last week. So that the single, All I Got Left, is available for people to listen to right now on Spotify, YouTube, um, under my name, Chris Bergson. Uh, it's on Apple Music, uh, Spotify, YouTube, and then the whole album, it's 10 songs, uh, just solo guitar and voice, recorded all live, uh, is coming out on June 1st. And I'm very happy to actually uh, have some shows coming up. <laughs> uh, Going to be playing uh, with my band for the first time uh, at Hometown Barbecue in Red Hook, Brooklyn, uh, next Sunday. May 16th, which will be fun, and also some great barbecue. Uh, I'm going to be doing a solo show at one of my favorite New York clubs, which has just recently reopened, uh, the 55 Bar, right on Christopher Street in Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be doing a solo show there on Friday, May 21st, uh, where I'm going to be basically previewing some of the songs uh, from my new solo record that's coming out on June 1st. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, and uh, people who, again, are musicians who might be listening, uh, it's very brave to do a live CD, especially when you're just by yourself. So, uh, you know, kudos for that. Um, how do people get a hold of you, Chris? Sure. Um, through my website, uh, chrisbergson.com. Um, I'm on Facebook too, Chris Bergson and Chris Bergson Band. Uh, Instagram, Chris Bergson, Twitter, um, all, all of those things. Um, the the uh, official CD release show for this record is actually going to be uh, Saturday, June twelfth, uh, up at the Falcon, one of my favorite venues oh, in Mar it. in Marlboro, New York. Oh yeah, I love the Falcon. Um, so we'll be there for an outdoor show. Oh, on Saturday. Right. He's, he's taking that outside, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's this really nice patio hmm. overlooking uh, waterfall. Waterfall. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. I did yeah. one. One. It was. I think. I think it ended up being one of the only gigs I did last summer. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. That's coming up on Saturday. June 12th um, at the Falcon. And then another show I'm really psyched about. um, I mean, some of my musician friends and bandmates, uh, you know, I now haven't seen for over a year uh, as a result of uh, the pandemic. So the Chris Bergson band, Jay Collins and uh, Stephen Bernstein and the horn section, two amazing horn players that I actually played with um, in Levon's band. Ah. We're going to be doing a show uh, with Ellis Hooks um friday june 4th uh in yonkers which is a free outdoor show uh at ridge hill at 6 p.m friday june 4th so it's sort of the return of of the chris bergson band with ellis hooks and horns um, which is something we haven't been able to do uh in over a year so i you know i had no idea what this summer was going to look like um it sort of helped me get through this winter having like a a new body of songs to dig into, uh, yeah, even, you yeah. know, just to play and sing, uh, at home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think, you know, musicians like us 
we tend to be very gig oriented. So it's often like, you know, what tunes are we going to be playing on this gig coming up? And then you take the gigs out of the equation. It's like, okay, I think I need to, you know, I got to change up what I'm working on at home then. So uh, it was really, it was kind of, it was helpful for me just to, you know, have a body of work to focus on uh, over the last uh, bunch of months. Well, that, that is all exciting. And I, I will tell everybody, make sure that they check out your music, Chris, Chris Bergson. Uh, you are a, a great musician. You're a great guy, too. You're, you're very friendly, which, uh, you know, you don't always see. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, everybody also wanted to remind you that uh, Blues Festival Guide is our wonderful sponsor, and make sure that you check them out. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, hopefully we will see each other soon and maybe even do something together. That would be great. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. All right. Thank you, everybody. And uh, stay tuned. We got a lot of great guests coming up on Chasing the Blues. <laughs>